The main idea is that a digital twin is the virtual representation of entities from the real world. What if we could have an exact digital representation of the reality that surrounds us? We have projects related to that where the importance of the render, the color of the car, the silhouette, the influence of the light, it actually really matters. So we have, let's test those visual use cases. It seems we can digitally replicate reality, and it seems like it could be really helpful for us. But how? The answer is with data. Visualizing that data or having a good way of showing this data to companies or to the one who is using it, it's a different challenge when you have a lot, a lot, a lot of data to, to actually map. At Globant, we help companies around the world reinvent themselves and find their way forward through digital and cognitive transformation. We help them create a way forward. Welcome to Unscripted Tech, a Globant original podcast about the trends that are changing how the technology game is played and about what we do with them. My name is Rebecca Reed, and I'm a digital marketing strategist at Globin. Over the next six episodes, we'll be talking about technology trends that are changing the game for companies across all industries. Each episode will feature conversations with Globers from around the world, disruptors, trailblazers, and igniters that will channel innovation and creativity to provide a better understanding of what comes next with each of these tech trends. Let's dive in. On today's episode, we'll be discussing digital twins, a virtual representation that works as a digital counterpart of something we have in real life. Not a person, but a product. How would digital twins behave in different scenarios? Diego Jaimes, IoT engineer and also IoT practice lead at Globant, has been working around these ideas for 14 years. He knows all about the roots of digital twins. The concept was used the first time back in 2002, uh, introduced by Michael Grips during a presentation at the University of Michigan on product lifecycle management. Then in 2010, uh, in a roadmap report from NASA, John Bickers presented the digital twin concept consisting of three distinct parts, the physical product, the digital virtual product, and connection between the two products. Uh, during the last years, based on digital transformation and the consolidation of Industry 4.0, many of the consulting firms are proposing definition of digital twins within their strategies. Martin Seneg, VP of Technology for Globant, can tell us more precisely what a digital twin is. Digital twins is mapping something real into the virtual world. So it's mapping, or let's say, creating digital twins based on the processes of different industries, of different companies, etc., etc. Matias Rodriguez, VP of Technology at Globant Games, adds the fun part of this, gaming, which is closely related to this digital representation of real life. Video games for a very long time has been focused on creating an entertainment vision of the world. And within the technology stack, there was an opportunity to take that and apply it to, let's say, more serious applications. We're really glad to have the three of you joining us today. Let's start by explaining what a digital twin is and when we started using the concept. Last year in May, the object management group announced the formation of the Digital Twin Consortium. 
And on December of 2020, the Digital Twin Consortium released the following definition. A digital twin is a virtual representation of real-world entities and processes synchronized at a specified frequency and fidelity. Here, basically, the main idea is that a digital twin is the virtual representation of entities from the real world. And the important message is to understand that, that depending on the technology and the approach that you develop to implement uh, a virtual representation, you can achieve a, a digital twin. Also, that there are like specific concepts around digital twin depending on the technologies that you are using. Digital twins is mapping something real into the virtual world. And as you mentioned, there are many different ways of doing that. In my particular case of what we do within our studio and within our teams and within our projects, it's mapping or let's say creating digital twins based on the processes of different industries, of different companies, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a specific area. It's called DTO or digital twin of the organization. So again, it's not, let's say, the standard definition of a digital twin, like an asset twin, it's actually creating a twin for a process or for, a multiple, for multiple processes within a company. So how do we create a digital twin? Well, uh, as I mentioned, we can have different perspectives to implement a digital twin. From my field of expertise, for example, uh, talking about IoT, Internet of Things, uh, the, the way you achieve uh, digital to impl implementation is mainly through IoT platforms. So within I an IoT platform, you are able to model assets, devices, and all the uh, like physical um, things that you have uh, generating data and inter in interacting with users or, or as part of processes. And you can model these virtual representation of the devices and assets that you have uh, working on within the real world to uh, enable the integration of those uh, entities with the digital ecosystem. Uh, so you can enable data visualization, you can enable virtual reality and augmented reality that is part of the, like, some relationship with the gaming uh, component. Uh, also, you can have service integration. Uh, and the idea is that within an IoT platform, what you are going to have uh, about the digital twin is a, a thing with all the properties and all the services that map the behavior of the device or the asset that you have in the real world. That is like from the IoT uh, point of view. So as I mentioned, what we do, at least with the DTO, is mapping processes or creating digital twins for companies. And the way we do it, it's pretty similar in the way that we retrieve data. And based on that data, we create the digital twins. Now, when we talk about DTOs or we talk about these particular sets of uh, digital twins, what we do is we retrieve the information from the different systems or ERPs or CRMs where companies have their own processes. And based on that information, we create and we map and we create these digital twins that we were talking about. To complement on, on the interactive elements and the visualization elements, once the, let's say the data layer is composed, there could be a, a digital twin for an object or it could be a representation for a business process or a logistic process. We basically try to, depending on the use, and that's a, a very important aspect of digital twins is not creating visualizations or just creating them for the sake of, of having something fancy. But when the visualization actually adds information, 
that's where we came into place and taking all the data uh, points that we have, including models for the physical objects or models and description and documentation for a business process, we follow up to create that visualization layer. And typically we focus on having a utility for that. That utility could have like many different ways from marketing, education, uh, visualization, context information, AR and VR were mentioned. And typically the way they are recommended to use is specifically to provide a point of view that is not achievable through looking through data or spreadsheets or graphics or other kind of visualizations. So in, in one side we have, it says data visualization, which is a, a way to represent processes and, and dynamic objects. But then if you have a value added on having a, a pure, let's say more fidelity or 3D representation, that's where we typically came into place and we take the documentation and we try to map exactly those processes. So those could be creating a visualization where you see humans walking around. And again, you have a, another perspective. It's not a, a graphics. It's actually like a movie playing around. And why do you guys think that digital twins are being used now? What's the favorable context and why haven't they been a major player earlier? So basically what I think there is that today there's a lot of data. It has been during the last couple of years, we have been consuming and generating a lot of data. Companies have been generating a lot of data. And I think now it's time to use that data to make it valuable and to actually use it for taking decisions, making decisions on processes or making decisions on different things within a company. I think the moment is now because we have the different technologies that allow us to manage all the data, convert that into a digital twin, and then, as I mentioned, take decisions based on that. Why it didn't happen before? Well, that's exactly why, because we needed to collect all this data first. We needed to have this technology first to be able to understand and to use all that data. And now we have it. So I think it's a great momentum to actually companies start using these kind of things. Yeah, actually, there has been a lot of foundational work in terms of uh, simulations, uh, like data-oriented products, and then Obviously, as cloud and democratization of technology arise, in the particular case of uh, the real-time rendering and real-time simulations, access to technologies like Unreal Engine and focus of other companies like Unity 3D, particularly on this uh, project, like in, in these endeavors, has a lot of relationship with the maturity. So. Uh, cloud computing, speed of process, a render, physically based render, like fidelity of simulation, as well as accessibility to the data to actually process that. So companies are having to use them to maintain their relevancy? Yeah, I think, I think that they were somehow forced uh, because a lot of these uh, techniques has been used actually for quite some time already in very high-risk, uh, let's say, industries. So oil and gas, a lot of those has been using simulations and some form of this and probably has been kind of the foundational pillars of a lot of this because of the high-risk related. They, they were forced to basically have a lot of this simulation and the scenarios and be very, very risk-adverse. Because of all the conditions we spoke before, 
a lot of, let's say, more non-risk or more traditional business saw the value on that and they started to actually implement. And that probably contributes to the popularity of this industry 4.0 is, is a, like a big pillar. But again, a lot of big businesses were forced to actually incorporate a lot of this due to pandemic and due to a lot of the, the factors we, we previously spoke. You mentioned that industries that were high risk, like oil and gas, have been using digital twins for a little while now. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other main use cases for them? What problems they're solving for us right now? But when we talk about DTO in particular, what we like to say is that there are like four big use cases. We don't care about the industry. We actually care about what the companies or what each person is trying to achieve with digital twins. So these use cases in DTOs are First of all, what we call core system value tools, which is basically mapping the existing processes to actually migrate one system to a newer system, or we need to upgrade an SAP to a newer SAP, or when to migrate to a new from a, a legacy system to a new system. So that's one of the big use cases that we have. You can actually understand exactly how your processes are being executed, so you can have a more a reliant way of executing the tests, executing the, the go live, and executing everything that you need to do for the system migration. So that's the first one. The second one is very related to what you were mentioning, is the operational efficiency one, where you can actually see how processes are being executed. You can find potential enhancements in those processes, and you can find potential uh, wins or bottlenecks that you can solve. So that's the operational efficiency one. We have very big use case related to audit and compliance. We can actually see how processes deviate from standards or how alerts when we have potential frauds or potential things that shouldn't happen in a process. And the fourth one, it's very related to hyper automation or to RPA. So we use these kind of tools to create DTOs or digital twins to understand exactly how automated my processes are and where we have opportunities of automation with my processes. So from, from our perspective, in terms of utility, we try to... Uh... Again, have a common structure in what we call, let's say, high-definition uh, twins and like 4K-definition twins. And in that sense, we focus on if you want to have a visual representation that actually works and illustrate, let's say, the, the dynamics of whether it could be the object or the business process, in a quotation low fidelity. That means that we don't focus on the visual fidelity of the object. We focus on the dynamics and the 3D visualization, for instance, to provide another perspective. That could be something that is useful for data collection, for simulation, for decision-making. But then another big part, and probably because in most cases, the, the part that we focus is what we call the face of the digital twin. It is related to high definition. For instance, could be a color configurator for a car, for instance. We have projects related to that where the importance of the render, the color of the car, the silhouette, the influence of the light, it actually really matters. So we have, let's test those visual use cases. So. We mostly focus, again, on modeling the dynamics of the world. And in terms of big categories, we focus on that. Or do we want to focus on the dynamic elements and we create a low-poly or low-fidelity representation of an object and a pro or a process? Or do we want to focus on, like, photorealistic, real environments? And there's, like, 
typical projects I, I can share. Uh, something that, that we did for our Uruguay office where you can visit them. So it's, it's a visual representation. And again, in terms of utility, you have marketing, you have internal training, you have uh, a lot of things that what we, and probably happens in, in all the previous aspects of the modeling of a twin, but a, a, something that we always discuss is that when you have the twin, when you have your model, you are able to do the mod modifications and do a lot of things and play around. And because you are able to do that, the utility could be a lot of different things. Could be informative, could be for decision-making, could be internal, could be training, could be marketing materials. So in, in most cases, when we create a digital version of a car, for instance, that same version could be used for marketing material, could be used for training material, could be used for simulation aspects. And that's what I think that now a lot of companies are seeing more value because it actually creates like an amazing toy for your company, your process or your product to actually play around. And you're, you have less risk to actually play, play around with that particular representation of your, of your service or your product. What are some of the challenges associated with digital twin technology? I think that the major ones is access to the data uh, in the sense of precisely having access in some way. In addition to that, I would say that processing that data is another complexity. One thing is to have the data. The other one is to make it useful. So building that pipeline, it's typically uh, kind of the, the bigger challenges. And then time and computing time, basically. So how much data you have, which model you are working, and how hard it is for you to crank that. Then visualization, there could be another ones, but I think that those, those are probably the main ones. In addition to that, and, and related to the access to the data, I think that, for example, there is a bar barrier from several companies on on they are not thinking of connecting their factories uh, into the internet. So you can, for example, uh, you in that scenario, you are limited to what you can, you are able to do in the context of uh, the deployment of many technologies. So there is a, a huge challenge in terms of enable a lot of security aspects to provide confidence to those companies that are not thinking of connecting their production line or the, their assets into the internet and enable this type of implementation. So uh, there are challenges in that sense of how you can uh, adopt these technologies when you are limited by uh, barriers related to security, for example. So looking forward, what uses do you see for digital twins in the future? We are seeing a lot of more uh, consumer-facing applications in the sense of exposing more either the data, the internals, and let's say some part of the, the workflows. We see that when you are able to track your orders, for instance, in, in a data-oriented, let's say, aspect. But something that we are seeing a, a more trend in terms of visualization is more marketing usage. So being able to create cinematographic shots, create like representation of your uh, products in a more, uh, let's say, uh, cinematic or game-oriented way. And then 
yeah, basically having a, a lot of that consumer facing access. So not only having the twin for yourself, but also thinking on how can you expose this? How can I show features of my product? How can I show how my process works in, let's just a more uh, cinematic and visual way? Yes, um, I think that the, there is a, an important opportunity in terms of post-sale support. When you have uh, the digital twin in, in use cases, for example, like uh, consumer electronics, you can have uh, or, or automotive for well uh, aerospace industry or those type of or or industries related to um, to goods. Uh, you can have the digital twin of how the system is behaving uh, with the end users. So you can uh, start improving and enabling your post-sale services and support. Uh, obviously, this is uh, limited by a thing that we previously discussed about uh, the well, comply with the uh, data, data management in terms that uh, if a user that you need the, the permission from the user to get the data from, from the actual device. But when you have this uh, and you solve this part, you're able to get a lot of insights from the data uh, and how the thing is being used and how this uh, the actual thing is being used. So uh, based on that, uh, the company can enable uh, sales strategies, business strategies, uh, and uh, around how the, the users are are using the, their products. That is uh, an important and interesting use case there in terms of feature uses of these technologies. And let, let me add one more thing. Um, so today, at least from the DTO perspective, digital twins are used a lot to understand what's going on and to find opportunities of engagement and to find what you can do better. I think the future of this is actually actioning things and automatically outrunning things based on what you see on the digital twins. So there's something already happening in some of the digital twin area, but I think that's where we should move to. Uh, that's what we should aim in the future, to actually have a more automated business based on these digital twins, not only to take decisions, but actually to action activities based on that. Digital twins may be more useful than what we could have thought. Mapping something digitally could save valuable time when planning projects, and most importantly, when executing on them. Today, we learned that some companies are already focusing on improving the customer's experience by experimenting with digital twins. As long as there's data available, digital twins will be there not only to map users' behavior and even project them, but also to visualize them in a cinematic way. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more insights on Unscripted Tech, a Globant original podcast where we reflect on developments that will shape our future. To learn more about how we seek reinvention, go to Globant.com and follow our show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.